Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Before we get started with another great edition of the Duke's Wrestling Podcast, I do want to let you know, Zencaster.com. That's right, Zencaster.com. They are, without a doubt, my favorite website to head over to for all of these great conversations that you hear on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. Superior quality in sound. Also, they have a great uh, video option as well if you need to record your videos. But the best part about it is the files are all split separately into MP3s. So you can edit them separately, you can put them together, do whatever you got to do. The main idea is Zencaster. Zencaster.com. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R for all of your podcasting, video conferencing, even if you just want to uh, have a great conversation with your loved ones. All your needs there online for communication. Zencaster has you covered. That's right. Locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. My brothers, my sisters, welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. Let me tell you something. Happy New Year's Eve. For those of you who are going to be listening to this a little later, Happy New Year. That's right. We have made it to the end of 2021. I'm so happy that you have made it here with me. It's fantastic. Okay. We've been through a lot. But the fact that we're still here and we're still going, that lets me know that our tomorrows are even better than our yesterdays. Don't forget that. You better believe it. Listen, this week we have Walter Yates, the uh, secret agent man, the mysterious man. We're going to find out. He's a he's a author. He is a journalist. He is an international man of mystery. We're going to break down all of the stuff about this guy because he's someone who who legitimately is like a shadowy figure. We know who he is. You know, you know he's affiliated with Pro Wrestling Illustrated. We know that he's been writing books. But who really, who's the real Walter Yates? We're going to get to the bottom of that. That's right. But before I get to any of that, I just want to say this. Listen, for all you folks out there for New Year's Eve, please don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Be safe out there. I beg of you. Okay, so that's number one. That's always paramount. And, you know, my New Year's wish for everybody is is very simple. I wish and I hope that in 2022, everyone wakes up and realizes that all of the, the conflict and the nonsense and the he said, she said online, that's not real life. That's not real life. Okay, in 2022, I want everybody to get back in touch with real life. And not allow any kind of negativity to dictate how you are feeling in real life. All the Twitter beef and all the conflict and all the nonsense. Just throw that stuff away, man. Okay. It's, it should be entertainment. 
But if it's getting to the point where you're not entertained by the BS online, do yourselves a favor, hit the reset button. Remember, there's a real world out there with with real things going on and your real self-worth matters more than whatever online nonsense is going on. So that is my 2022 wish for everyone. I've seen a lot of people do all kinds of crazy stuff online. I've seen people react to it, having breakdowns and all kinds of just interesting things. That's enough, right? The Duke is telling you that's enough. In 2022, get back to the real world. Enough of the the online persona, enough of the allowing these strangers, these nobodies to dictate to you what your self-worth is. That's enough. Okay, it's time to move forward forever forward. Don't look back. Brighter days are ahead of you. Darker days are behind you. So, again, that's my wish for 2022. But before that, don't drink and drive. Please don't drink and drive. That's right. Okay, that's enough of my mouth. I am going to get into this long form conversation with Walter Yates. And then for the final time, Tony Schiavone will close us out for 2021. Okay, you're not going to hear much long form uh, other talk from me. I want the conversation to kind of speak for itself because it's multi-layered, multi-faceted. It's fantastic. So be safe out there, folks, and I'll see you in the new year. Here comes my conversation with Mr. Walter Yates. I'm Walter Yates. I am a author. I recently just published Ganaron Trials of Chedonia. I am also the co-founder of Realm Studios, a multi-platform publishing company that you'll hear a lot of in the near future and i also am a wrestling journalist i work with pwi and i'm starting up my one of my own projects in the near future as well for wrestling and gaming and i also have a background in political journalism news journalism i was at standing rock in 2016 december 2016 i do believe so i do quite a bit so yeah that is who i am and i'm definitely ready for this conversation well, first of all, Walter, you you are a a man of um, international mystery. Doo, 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 doo. You know, very very few people can say that they've laid eyes on the Walter Yates. So so this is very interesting to um, have you here on Duke Loves Wrestling. Things will be a lot of fun, and and I want to start from the top here because there's a big debate about your name, and I understand that you got the whole James Bond thing going on. So you know. Is your name really Walter Yates? Who knows? And I, and I don't want to get into that because I, I understand that if you disclose that information, you might have to take me out. Um, but what's the proper way to pronounce your last name? Because I hear Yates. I hear Yeats. I've, I've had that no good Kevin uh, McIlvaney on the show, and, and he pronounces your name three different ways. I don't understand it. You think a guy who, who uh, is your editor and works with you would actually understand how to pronounce your name, but you know, it's Kevin and you know how he is. So what is the proper way to pronounce your name? To be fair, I don't think I've ever told Kevin. Um, it is, it, um, interesting. It is Yates. It, uh, that Y E A T E S and in the background of this is the original Irish spelling. Um, it transferred to Y A T E S during the potato famine when a lot of Irish um, migrated to England uh, because of you know the famine. I've seen different versions in Y E A T S in the United States, and Y A T E S is kind of the more, more popular one. But Y E A T E S is the original Irish spelling, and that goes back in my 
family, my very, very diverse family history. But yes, it is. It is Walter Yates. Okay, so so we we just solved that mystery there, Walter Yates. And I, I'm with you on the Irish thing because I, I found out, ironically, through the Jamaican side of my family, that um, I have a lot of Irish in my DNA and what have you. And in fact, I, I believe it was my grandmother's grandmother was a white Irish lady who lived in Jamaica, uh, Bennett, which I thought was English, but it's actually Irish. So I'm going to test you here because I got to make sure that your Irish roots actually check out, uh, Walter. Do you know this little ditty here? I'm a rambler. I'm a gambler. I'm a long way from home. And if you don't like me, then leave me alone. I eat when I'm hungry. I drink when I'm dry. If the moonshine don't kill me, I'll drink till I die. All right. Tell me, you know, that song. I've heard that somewhere. Yeah. Okay. That's the moonshine. Fog and Molly's, Fog and Mo- Molly's do that. Uh, okay. They, that you know, one? the Fog and Molly's did do that. Okay, Walter. Okay. All right. So, so you check out here your Irish roots. Okay. Okay. I, you know, I wasn't going to give you uh, Irish eyes. I, I, I wanted to give you one that uh, really check your, your street cred in terms of being Irish. So you just passed there. So to all our Irish cousins out there, Walter's one of us. Okay. So we figure that part out. All right. The next thing is your avatar. It is a cartoon of an old school reporter. He's a little husky. You know, he, he looks like he, he's he's always on the run. So he's had a few burgers and what have you, which is traditional for any kind of reporter. He's wearing a cool hat and he just looks like a really, really cool dude who is in the know. So I need to know the answer to this right now. He, he's probably about, you know, in his 50s, early 60s and what have you. Is that actually you, Walter, or is this some kind of uh, sleight of hand? Is this some trickery that you have going on here? There is a story behind that avatar and when it came about. It's been around about four going on five years. Um, Because when I mentioned at the beginning, I was at Standing Rock. There was a digital artist who learned of that after I was well, after I was there. And he's for everyone listening, he's referring to uh, Must Move Wrestling avatar because uh, my author and publishing avatars are are different but that the one that's people mostly know me as as of right now that was made for me after that like he he said like you were at standing rock i was like yeah and i did all this coverage reporting stayed on site during a negative 40 degree blizzard and all all those stories and he, he made that for me for free uh and i put that as my avatar on a lot of all of my kind of wrestling stuff back then and of my all of my reporting stuff, I use that as the avatar. It's still, it's still there on uh, two of my accounts. So that it's it's basically a reference to um, Smooth Gentleman, which is a name I was first called back when I was like eighteen, doing a podcast with Dr. Jennifer Austin Lee, and someone on MySpace. It, I remember she was from England, and she said, "You definitely are a smooth gentleman." And I was like, "Mine." And pretty much since then, uh, I've I've attached that name to basically everything that I've done. And that um, he asked me what what kind of avatar, what I want, and I basically was like, yeah, there's like the whole 30s, 50s type of look for a reporter, and he did that, and I've attached that to a couple of my um, face, a couple of my uh, Twitter accounts, and that is what a lot of people in wrestling know me as. I've, I don't think I've really ever had my own picture up uh for my avatar on uh, twitter for wrestling goes and see this is what i'm talking about so if you were to ever show up at an event walter yates not yeats okay kevin McElvaney, 
Walter Yates. If Walter Yates ever showed up at, a, at an event and he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm Walter Yates, you know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, I'm the guy that writes all the cool stuff, international coverage. I don't think people would believe that you're actually Walter Yates because you look nothing like your avatar. OK, you're not some little chubby guy. You're actually a skinny guy. You're not old. You're actually young. And from what I understand, you could possibly be Japanese. And that's part of the reason why you have the inside track on everything happening in Asian wrestling, including, you know, New Japan and what have you. So let's talk about this as well, um, because, you know, I took Japanese in third grade, so I know a little something. Ohio Gozamas, Konnichiwa. Um, so I want to know right now, are you we already figured out that you're, you're Irish. Are you also Japanese? I am not part Japanese. I do, unfortunately, do not speak any Japanese. What I interact with people on the wrestling Twitter in Japanese because I started realizing there were a lot of Japanese people starting to follow me because I was covering a lot of New Japan and the fans started following me and inter interacting. I was like, it's really not fair for me to try to always get them to use Twitter's not that great translation feature to try to see what I was understanding so or what I was saying. So I started uh, translating it on my own and trying to uh, communicate with with some of the people who were reading my work and respecting my work. So I started doing that. And that, yeah, that's, that's actually been helpful. A lot of um, some of the most fun people I speak to on Twitter are Japanese fans, a completely different type of fan in Japan. Um, also in Mexico, from what uh, my last interactions with fans in Mexico than those in English first speaking countries. I have noticed that for uh, quite commonly noticed that, but I, I do. I am not Japanese or speak any Japanese yet. That is something I do want to do at some point because of all the wrestling I watch, it, it I, I, I should speak Japanese. So, so I got to ask this question here, Walter, because it's it's kind of interesting that you cover so much Japanese wrestling. You cover wrestling in China, like Middle Kingdom wrestling, and those are my folks over there. Shout out to the whole crew at MKW. In fact, my first interview here on on uh, Duke Loves Wrestling was Adrian, the head honcho over there at Middle Kingdom Wrestling in China. He was the first person I ever interviewed on this show nearly six years ago. So, you and I not only are we Irish cousins. Um, not only are we a couple of handsome guys, but we also are into pro wrestling over in Asia, including in China. So listen, look, man, we, we got things going on here, you and I, Walter. Um, but I want to I want to know about something very important, because I think guys like you tend to be Jason Bourne or uh, what's what's the other one that the guy Jim from the office played? in that uh, series. I think it's on Amazon. What's that? What's that show? Have you seen the show where he plays this, this nice analyst and what have you, and then come to find oh, out he's really uh, the CIA Jack, badass. Jack, Re Jack, Jack Reacher? Yeah, it might be that. It might be Jack's, that. Hold on. I mean, I'll find out. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to know the answer to who this guy is, because I think he might be you as well. I think that's all based on your real life. And that's part of the reason why people know so very little about you, because in reality, you're just this, again, this international man of mystery. Um, Jack Ryan, Jack Ryan. Yes. OK, mm -hmm. so Walter Yates, Jack Ryan is pretty much the same. So are you some kind of super secret agent, man? Is that what's going on with you here? Uh, not quite. Uh, I do. I have done some a lot of things that I wasn't public about as far as the writing in quiet. That I didn't say anything about for two years publicly. Uh, but 
don't know, as I for as, uh, my reporting, whether it's, I keep a lot of it separate, so I don't really cross over on some of the political reporting that I did with the wrestling reporting. So a lot of it's been kept separate. And I also have a separate account for talking about sports that I'm, I'm a fan of. So all of it's separate. So I think that's kind of what goes to it. So I try not to cross over and have it. So fans of this one thing of mine will be, will be able to see that whenever they want, not all the other stuff. So I don't really think I'm that mysterious. If it, the people, uh, I, I guess, I guess I can see how some people would think that. Well, you know, this is the word on the street here, Walter. And, and you know, I'm being a little tongue in cheek here, but I'm getting to a point. It is it is a legitimate thing that people are very curious about you. But at the same time, they don't try to mess with you because it's like this guy is probably like some real big deal. So let me just be cool. That's Walter. He does the 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 writing of the, the wrestling in Asia and around the world. And, you know, as we do in Mexico, or whatever. He seems like a really cool guy. He's clearly talented in his journalism. And that's it. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know what he sounds like. I don't even know if he is an earthling or if he is some kind of extraterrestrial. I just know that that's Walter uh, Yates or Yeats, depending on who says your name. But people don't know much about you. Were you aware that you're you're so interesting to people like they they actually are curious about you as a person? I mean, that's that's always been the goal. I try to interact with people on Twitter at times when they reach out about anything that I'm reporting on. Um, most of those are fans in Japan, so they're probably a little bit more familiar with me. They they will talk and not literally uh, just insult something to insult something for impressions, but that's a that's another story. Uh, but I mean, like, yeah, I can I can understand that. Like, I don't. Yeah, my picture's not up on a lot of my wrestling stuff. But if you do go to the the link in my my bio that does go to my actual uh, portfolio of our articles and stuff. And that does have my picture there, a really bad one, but it is my picture. But, but yeah, I mean, like I can, I can understand, like I, I try not to say things just to get impressions on Twitter. That might be a carryover from a lot of the time in political journalism. And I, I don't, I try to separate myself from influencers than, than as a reporter. And there's a, there is a difference, even though it seems like a lot of people don't know that difference, but there, there's a there's a big difference there. So I try to stand out uh, a little bit and carry myself a little bit differently on on the Smooth Wrestling account because that is technically my my journalist account. So I try to be a professional as possible there. Well, you know, I'm I'm curious about what you just said there, Walter, because it it lends itself to something that I've been talking about a lot over the past couple of years, and it's it's these clearly defined lines. You know, are you a journalist? And I'm not saying you in, in particular, but I'm just talking about anyone who covers pro wrestling. Are you a journalist? Are you an analyst? Are you just some fan who's just doing something like what are you? Um, because people who pretend to be journalists or they, they try to occupy the space of journalists, but then they're trying to get themselves over. And then next thing you know, they're taking jobs with promotions and things like that. It's like, that's not a journalist is not traditionally that, you know what I mean? The, the, you're supposed to cover the news. You're supposed to, to dissect and, and go after the truth and put it out there and, and what have you here. And it just seems like, like you just said, there's a lot of people who don't know the difference. Do you feel pro wrestling could benefit from 
uh, deeper, more clearly defined lines in terms of the actual media side of things? I believe society in general and wrestling could both benefit from that because it's there is a difference. And that's a, that's a thing I talk about. I've talked about on you know, political news, journalism as well. Like there's, there's a difference. Uh, that gets to me is like there's a lot of people. I mean, there's like there's a there's our bloggers who are basically fans who write about X Y Z companies, give their opinions on on that. Again, I have no problems with any of these groups uh, at all. Um, just say what you are and stick with that. And there's also there's influencers. Some of them do interviews and stuff, and but you you'll, you'll see them in a lot of the gear of promotions and doing photo shoots with with wrestlers and taking you know pictures and. Uh, pictures with wrestlers and everything you're you're more that's more influencing you make sure to say certain things during broadcast of certain events to get over your your brand your name as something to do with that promotion or that you love that promotion and and then there's you know there's columnists who write columns uh that's was popular back in the 80s and 90s there's columnists who are who will write about wrestling, but they don't necessarily investigate and do that type of more of the journal stuff of trying to get uh, stories and, you know, enterprise stories, new stories that they'll just write about things they see that could be interesting or not. And then there's journalists who will dig into numbers, uh, try to interview people, not necessarily try to befriend people and will disclose when they are friends with someone and they're covering them that will try to, you know, check back with sources and be like, I'll give you some, most of the times you typically, it can be a 24, 48 or 72 hour window when you're covering on someone to give them a chance to respond to something. And some of the articles I've done with places that I won't mention by name here because interesting people put to you that way. Um, I've, you'll see where I've mentioned X, Y, Z didn't respond. And it was like, cause that then I typically will give, 48 hours to respond to something that I'll tell you, got this, do you have a comment on it? Or, and I'm trying to do the investigative part of it and trying to be fair, ethical, even if it's something that may be negative towards that person, you give them a chance to respond. Like, for example, I reached out to Travis Banks when with everything with Millie McKenzie was going on and during speaking out and he she released text messages everything was out there i reached out to travis banks gave him a chance to respond he did not respond so i always try to do that when i am covering something important or something that is that is important it's like the, so there's different there's definitely definitely different lines and i i've never taken pictures with wrestlers i don't have i honestly don't I honestly don't even feel comfortable having certain merchandise. Like I don't have merchandise of any promotions. Like it's uh, uh, that one might be just a personal thing where it just feels a little bit weird doing it. Uh, but uh, I mean, I'm, I probably might be taking a little bit too far on, on that one. I'm not saying everyone should do that, but I, I won't take pictures in that merchandise and put it on social media or anything like that. Cause that that's getting into the, the influencer realm in my opinion. So it's like, there's a, so I think there's there's definitely clear and defined lines, which again I have no problems with any of them. Just be upfront with which one you are are trying to be, because there's a different set of ethics and guidelines that go come with each one of those. To be honest with you, so that's where it comes to me is where I was like, yeah, I I studied some of this in in college and everything, and I just always just try to be ethical and fair because also you have always have to worry about. 
you can be sued for saying certain things. Uh, if you libel or slander somebody, you can be sued for that. So it's very important, even to your own benefit, to make sure you're being on your P's and Q's and being ethical on what you're doing when it comes to reporting art. Because at some point, someone's going to get sued and you're not really going to have much fallback on if you weren't paying close attention to the guidelines of ethical conduct if you're wanting to be a journalist. It's a long answer, but that's, I was trying to make sure I got it to everything. It, it's, it's a perfect answer, and, 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 and here's why it's a perfect answer. I'm not a journalist, and that's one of the first things that I make clear right off the jump. I'm not a journalist. I didn't go to school for journalism. I don't have a journalism degree. I'm a political science guy. I'm a government guy. But because I'm a political science guy, because I'm a government guy, because that's what I study, because that's my arena, ethics is very important to me. And and just like you said, you have to be very careful because you can easily get sued for, for a lot of things. So I make sure that if I'm going to take a hard line on something or if I'm going to stand on something when I'm providing analysis, I better be willing to take whatever comes with that. And more importantly, I better make sure I have my facts straight because if not, you're leaving yourself wide open for all kinds of litigious issues there and what have you. I also don't break news. I'll bring newsmakers on this show to break the news themselves, and then I'll analyze the news, but I don't break news. And and part of the reason why, once again, because if you make a mistake and you start reporting on something that's just blatantly not true, you can't unring a bell. (laughs) So you see a lot of people make that mistake all the time. But what's interesting about it, uh, Walter, is that a lot of people take issue with those who are very serious about defining, okay, this is a line I'm not going to cross. This is who I am. This is the space that I occupy. Do you ever get backlash personally over the fact that you are so strict about the fact that you're going to cover the the news a certain way and that's it? And you're not going to, like you said, you're not out there buying the t-shirts and you're not out there taking pictures with the wrestlers. You're not being a fanboy. You're being somebody who legitimately is just covering the entertainment medium, so to speak. No, I mean, honestly, if you, if that's what you want to do, it's, you're not going to get any heat for that. Uh, to use a wrestling term, it's, uh, uh, and I also stay out of typically the, the big arguments that seem to always happen in wrestling. So, I mean, I, I don't really get into a lot of that stuff. So it's like, no, no, I don't really get any, any heat for it. I, I do see things from people that are saying they are journalists that does irk me at times. Um, because it's just like there, there's a certain set of standards and I did have a public disagreement with someone that did that recently. And I, I probably shouldn't really go that deep into it, but, uh, people who are following me on Twitter probably saw that. And it had some, something to do with someone that I interviewed recently. And, and someone was said something about them that just wasn't true because I was watching the program live as they were saying it. And no one who claims to be a journalist could make that interpretation uh, legitimately. And there was just some kind of ulterior motive there. But so not really. Um, the, you, I mean, like in that case, there was there's a couple of their fans who wanted to say something to me, but great thing about social media is I can just plan and simple, ignore you. And if you're not worth my time and if you're not, if you're not making great arguments, I'm uh, just going to ignore you because my, my uh, college background is in political science and philosophy. And I, a lot of my focus in political science was also on, on journalism. Uh, I, I'll never make the argument that you have to 
have a, a journalism degree to do that, to be a journalist. Uh, it's great to have a good background. And I think every if you're going to cover politics, you need to have some kind of major or minor in political science as well to understand what it is you're covering. Because I've met a lot of journalism degrees in the political realm who didn't uh, weren't up to speed in some some things. So it's like it's just like from the philosophy background, if you're just going to make arguments to just that are based around ad, ad hominem and you're just appealing to authority or you're just making all these fallacious this fallacial comments, I'm just not going to really. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes, and then after that, I'm I'm just done because I've got a lot more important things to do than just argue with people who are just going to be purposely obtuse about something. So I don't, I don't get into a lot of that stuff too much. So I don't really see that much backlash because I just try to stay away from just pointless arguments. And that's why he is the international man of mystery, Mr. Walter Yates, PWI author, uh, person who does things that we can't talk about because he, he's out there saving the universe. You wrote a book. And I want to be clear with you about something. I'm very upset with you. Um, I've always wanted to write a book, and I always thought that I would I would be capable of writing something that would be a, a solid work, and you know it would get the job done. And then I I read what you wrote, you know, 300 pages plus, and and I said to myself, well, I ain't ready. <laughs> You created a whole world and the attention to detail of everything. It's very rare that you read a, you read a book and you feel like you're actually watching a movie. And, and I'm one of those people that I'm, I'm really into sci-fi, although I, I'm, I'm into the, a particular type of sci-fi, not so much regular fantasy. I'm into aliens. I'm into extraterrestrials. I'm into people or beings that are in faraway galaxies that interact with humans in some way, shape, or form. And just the complexity of that, because I think that that's not only possible, but may have already happened or it may actively be happening. So I'm always curious about that sort of thing and just the struggle of, of society and, and who's going to maintain order, who's going to be in power, where's leadership coming from, all of those complex things. And I got to give you credit because there, there are elements of all of that in your book. So, so let's talk about this. First and foremost, who the hell do you think you are to create a whole new world? And, and, and how do you even have the brain capacity to do all of that? Oh, well, that, that's interesting um, that you go, that that's what you lead with. Cause that's, um, this is all, that's, a, that's actually something I did go into on the Amazon page for, for the novel. Uh, again, it's going to trials of Chidon, uh, trials of Chidonia. And I started my first thoughts on the world itself of Ganeron. That started popping in my mind when I was eight. Never thought anything of it that I was going to go anywhere or do anything with it. And it wasn't really until I was 18 that I really started to dive into it a little bit more. Um, actually there, there's a little story behind that. I was, a uh, I was on a, a AP U.S. history trip to D.C. And on one of the bus rides, I was sitting next to a guy. I won't say his – I was about to say his name, but I probably shouldn't do that. Um, I, was, I was sitting next to a, a classmate, and this was right when the Blind Guardian Nightfall of Middle Earth album came out. And he was a power metal fan, 
I never really entered never really listened to metal at that point never really even know what it was despite i grew up watching power rangers and i didn't even know this until a couple months ago that the intro to power rangers when you listen to it back that's a metal heavy metal song um so he was like hey walter you want to listen to this i was like "Ah, sure why not and it it was uh, who those who don't know my uh, blind guardian is a all german band i do believe and they tell a lot of stories and a lot of nightfall uh, nightfall of middle earth is based off of tolkien's work and I listened to like the couple of first, like three or four songs. I was like, this is, they're telling an entire story in the, in like song form. And it's like, I, I, I'm, in, I'm into this. And so basically after that, I started listening to more of their work. I, I read the, I was always interested in fantasy. I read the Hobbit when I was like 13, they tried to stop me from reading the Hobbit. It's like, there's too much violence in this, blah, 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 blah. I was like, I'm going to, going to read it and take the AR test to sleep me alone, please. Um, it was like, and I was perfectly fine afterwards. Um, so it was like, I, so that's what was first, my first real introduction to that was the, was the Hobbit. And then after that, around the, around that same time when Nightfall Middle Earth came out, that's when I believe the trilogy was starting for the Lord of the Rings. And I really got into, into that. And so during this whole this time, I started, uh, I started building more the world of Ganaroi and started defining the continents and everything. And, and Ijana, where Guardians or Ganaron Trials of Chinonia takes place, it was the second continent I created. Uh, it's a matriarchal continent that the novel goes into how it became that way. Uh, so read it to find out how. Um, you'll find out pretty soon uh, as another hint of how that came about. And I started building that. And one of the inspirations for why I wanted to do that was from Lord of the Rings in the character, Eowyn uh, played by Miranda Otto. And she was, she's my favorite character in, in the stories and movies, films, books. So when I got, so I always was wondering, like, even in Game of Thrones, there was there was Brynn of Taft. There was always in a lot of these stories, even The Witcher season one. Anyway, I'm not done with season two yet. Um, so there's always seems to be one woman who, in this medieval setting, is a warrior. Go out to feel always one, always one. And I was always like, why not more? And this is back when I was 18. So this is when I first started building this. Even uh, started like building us everything. So I was like, why not? have an entire society, an entire continent. Like, uh, John is a very large continent. I won't get into specifics of how large because that's spoilers for future things. But John is gigantic. And so I wanted to basically have a continent that was a, a matriarchal society that's been that way for thousands of years and build up to why. And where women were warriors because surprisingly, there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, sword fighting and combat. Like swords on average weigh about two pounds. And shields aren't that extremely heavy either. So the concept that women could never swing a sword or that they should all be archers is just a huge misconception because it's actually it takes a lot of upper body strength if you to be an archer with specific types of bows. You have to the draw strength you need is significant. A swinging a sword and having that technique is less strenuous than that. So that there's a lot of misconceptions there. Same thing you could say with spears, even though spears aren't in Ijana as far as weapons wise and all those other types of weapons. So I built this world and this continent. And I was like, I want 
to see how this this goes. So I built it. And when it came time, when because Realm Studios, we we quietly launched it in December 2019. When it came to writing the first Ganaron book, uh, my partner or my uh, partner in the company, Richard O'Sullivan, he was basically like, well, let's go, go, go for it. And I picked starting in Njana because I thought it would be really interesting, especially after you know, things like speaking out and all those just horrific scandals of things going on. It's like, let, let's just start in Ijana and see if people are going to be interested in a story like this, because my, my one fear of starting in Ijana is this, which it mean, this still could very much happen as the publicity and marketing gets more and people frown or hear about it, is that a lot of, uh, we'll call them incels will hear about it and want to, bash it for that reason i'm like at this point i'm just like uh go ahead um insult the book and just tell me how much you don't know about to about that kind of combat to and let's go ahead let's, just tell me that you just hate women and how that i'll just mark it off of that and basically embarrass you so i was like i i wanted to tell that story and there's going to be multiple stories after so that's kind of how ijana became the starting point and during the process, there was a there was a couple of women that I, I was friends with that I was like, "Hey, could you like read this and just let me know like what you think about this type type of concept just just to see?" Because I was thinking, "Is is this cool?" Or if any or anything, there there was a a do- uh, a friend um, a friend. Her daughter was around thirteen years old. She read it, started crying when she started started hearing about the concept. I was like, like I didn't know really have any concept that was going to mean something like that, especially to young girls and, and women. Like I, that's not what I thought. I don't have that kind of ego to think that I was going to do something like that. But speaking to more women and I, I do get it. Um, it would, because as of there's just not this type of setting, like in a lot of fantasy things you, cause again, Ron is, there's no magic in Ganaron whatsoever. It's all Earth-like, put it that way without spoiling anything. It's very Earth-like in the fact that this could very much be happening on Earth. Uh, there's different flora and fauna, but it's very realistic in the fact. I call it realistic fantasy, which isn't even a real genre yet, but it, that's, it doesn't, it's not high fantasy. It's not low fantasy. I call it realistic fantasy that it would be very much this could happen here, but it is on a different planet. And that just that whole concept of women acting like in these roles and having power in government, having power in military actions and on the field of battle fighting for not for some guy they want to like marry or something because it's the of where they live and their ideals and their traditions that they're fighting for. That meant something to people I've, I've women I've talked to about the novel and some of them have already started reading the novel. So that's. So I'm I'm actually very glad now that I started any genre because there's just a lot there that I think that everyone will be able to take from. And I honestly kind of was hard on myself saying maybe I should have made this longer in certain places, but because uh, I know a lot of the, the follow-ups are going to be a bit longer in the main series. So, but I, I'm very happy with the feedback that I'm getting back um, early and I would love to hear your feedback about it as well since I've been rambling for like three minutes. Well, you, you'll definitely have to read my review because I did post one 
uh, right before we started there. So you'll you'll get a, a, a piece of that. I just I, I find it fascinating. And, and I guess that's really what it is. I don't want to spoil the book in any way, but I do want to talk about it from a global standpoint um, because I watch Game of Thrones and I and that really, again, it's not traditionally the sort of thing that I'm into. I do lean more towards maybe a, a, a Dune, obviously. I don't know if you've seen Foundation on Apple Plus. I think that's fantastic. That's actually what Dune and Star Wars are inspired by. So this just this this amazing world and all of these different plots and subplots and and things going on. And I felt like that as I was reading your book. And I and I just don't. You're one person, and you were able to create all of this stuff and these complex characters dealing with these complex issues and, and and the way that you're so descriptive about like you said the sword and and what people are thinking and how they're feeling and and you know how we got from point a to point b and this one is is standing up for that one and that's why people are leading even though this is an older person and there's just so many different things going on that are just like wow this is really detailed and because it's so detailed, because it's so descriptive, I'm in it like I feel it. And so even if I don't necessarily understand something at first, because it's it's so descriptive, I can follow it easy. So I, I end up, oh, OK, I get it now. Those there were moments of that. And it, it just blows me away that one guy was able to create all of that. You know, like who edited that thing? Did you edit that yourself? No, no, we uh, we we have uh, we used an editor. Uh, her name is Amanda. I can't remember her last name off the top. It's in the book, uh, by the way, for people who want to see there. The editor is credited in the book. She went through and she did edit it. Didn't really do much to the story itself. That really didn't change in the editing at all. That actually, uh, I have a very uh, <laughs> long process where it comes to keeping notes for everything in the novel and. And I'm not, not sure this is much of a spoiler. There's there's a there's many different types of projects coming for Ganaron. So I have a lot of notes already. And I keep referencing back to that because there's 47 different tribes in, in Ijana at the current state of when the novel begins. And there's a map there that you'll be able to see to that to help you follow along with that. There's also a map of Ganaron so that you'll be able to see that as well and to compare it to the other places. So it it what it is a process of getting everything the way I want it to be because the the most difficult part was trying because uh, not every tribe has a lot of detail as to who they are their culture and everything within the novel but most of that has been already been fleshed out so, and I wanted to try to get a get a reference to as many tribes as possible and have someone from that tribe show up. And there are, and in future iterations in multiple platforms, there will be more tribes focused on and see who and what they are and as to why. And the detail is just, that's just something I've always, uh, that's the one thing I was like, man, if I had 20,000 more words I, in, in this area and that area, there would have been even more detail, but that, that that's coming. That's just something I've always, I always loved in novels, in movies and film is world building and making and putting weight on things. Uh, shout out to Jonathan Ridgway. We talked to, talked to him about this a lot, even in, in wrestling and sports, like the, the weight of things matter. So I, I build up characters that even if 
thing. So in, in the case they die, there is a weight to that. So every character needs to feel like an actual person and not just a prop there that if it goes away, who cares? Um, so that, that that's a big thing I wanted to really focus on. So even if a character doesn't seem to be a major a major uh, protagonist or antagonist in Ganon or Trials of Chidonia, when and if they show up again, probably mostly in most cases it's going to be when they show up again, there's going to be a weight to them because you already know where they came from, why they're here, their motivations as, as to what happened and and stuff like that. And I will give a, a tiny little hint. There are characters that show up for a brief period of time in Ganon Trials of Chidonia that they will come up again and are going to have extended stories and so that that is something to look out for look to look out for because they're because i try to make sure everything is important has weight there's just nothing's really just thrown in to just be there to take up a word count so there's there is a lot of a lot of time go goes into that aspect uh, as far as my creation process i love it i love it man I, i i'm just i'm so impressed i'm jealous um I would challenge you to a match where I would give you a proper thrashing for having the audacity to create your own fantasy world and it be actually good. So now I'm waiting to see what comes next and what have you. I would challenge you to a match and I would I would straighten you out in the ring. But then I realized that because you're a guy who has this brain capacity to create your own worlds here, you because you're a guy who's done so well with um you know people not necessarily knowing what you look like and and who you are and all this other stuff i feel like if i were to challenge you to a match you would probably show up and just completely destroy me before i even could get started so instead i'm just going to demand that you promise on the record right now not to beat me up so can we can we get that out of the way I promise to not beat you up. Okay, there you go. You sound you sounded like you didn't want to say that. I, I feel like I feel like you you begrudgingly said that there, uh, Walter. So I, what's that all about? Is, is this? Did you have plans to kind of do away with me, or or am I going to end up in the book where you're going to do away with my character or something? Uh, well, I can only say that only a few people have never turned heel, like Mandalay Toyota, maybe Ricky Steamboat. I mean, only a few people have never turned. <laughs> Well, and and you, the fact that you brought up Toyota, who's who's my favorite, other than Ric Flair, that's just awesome. So that's pretty cool. Listen, Walter, I want to I want to get back to wrestling for a second here, um, because I want to know, and I and and I'm understanding your whole vibe a lot better just from talking about all this stuff. What's the biggest misconception that people have about? pro wrestling outside of the United States, because I think that this lends itself also to the genre that you write about, uh, even in your book. Uh, Well, I think the biggest misconception for a lot of people, well, this is just going off of Twitter, but a lot of people seem to not think it exists, Uh, (laughs) which to me is hilarious, um, especially when you go back to the history of just like El El Santo and Black Shadow and how they basically their rivalry built an entire culture of wrestling in the country of Mexico that lasts today where it's a part, almost a part of like, like literally the culture in some, some ways, even when CML is a little bit down, it's still a, a big thing in Mexico. And 
and, and, and that all of another big misconception from, I say, English speaking, English, English speaking fans, um, mostly in the West, is that uh, all wrestling needs to be sports entertainment or that only the good wrestlers are in uh, on TV in the United States. And it's just like, I don't know how that's a misconception in the digital age where literally on what streaming platforms you can have, I would off the top of my head say 30, 50 promotions that you can watch around the world on streaming platforms at any point in time now at this point. So it's like, I don't understand if that's a purposeful thing or a lot of fans just don't care and just like getting the impressions, the LOL hate, the hate talks on getting impressions for hating on something. But that, that's one of the biggest misconceptions is, and I don't know, just like looking at the different, this is different legacies and everything like New Japan uh, right now is, you know, it's they're become an international company and their dojo system. If you go back to 1972 is historic and you, they expanded LA to the LA dojo to the New Zealand dojo and how the training there, it's just different. And a lot of people also, even more fans who aren't trying to be trolley or they are more knowledgeable. They, they, they keep saying the dojo system in Japan, that's a huge misconception. There is not one dojo system in Japan. There are many dojo systems and new Japan has cranked out draws, great wrestlers for decades. I mean, if you, want to start listing off the people who've made money across not just in japan across the world and who are great wrestlers you can just i mean you can just go from like muda hashimoto ligar chono i mean nakamura okada is he's a you know second uh second level uh but he, he got trained by ultimate dragon first but there's just so many these guys and for years tanahashi like might be one of the best wrestlers of, of all time when he really gets done and it's just there's like so many have come through there. And it's just like the, just the conception that these wrestlers aren't as good because they're not wrestling for WWE has always been laughable to me, uh, especially when you just look at the dojo system and how that works. And just with your own eyes, just look at the quality of wrestling and how it's just different um, to a lot of places. And like Mexico doesn't get, really much talk i guess through um it's working agreement with aew now that triple and, and impact that triple a gets some talk but cmll is the oldest promotion in the world they still have a lot of talented people there there are some issues with the product mostly um uh, it's a it still had behind the scenes creative stuff still i think they still have like a 1965 mindset but that's a different beast uh but there's a great there's a lot of talented wrestlers there that you've seen in new japan because they've been partners see off the top of my head remember since uh, may 2011 they've been official partners if i think that's the date uh so i mean there's uh so there's just a lot of great wrestling around the world like rev pro in the uk is really good and there's a really good trained wrestlers um there as well and emerging areas like china um, regardless of what you think about the government, which I hope you people do have things and thoughts about that, but the the wrestling companies are separate from that, and there's it's wrestling starting to become a thing there. Korea had a big wrestling tradition. There's still some independent promotions there, so there's it's just there's there's just wrestling literally everywhere. And if you don't like something, why spend all your energy hating on it? Just go watch literally something else. There's just so much. And you mentioned 
All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling early, which is, uh, I fell in love with that promotion and Man My Toyota. And there's so many great wrestlers there. Like stardom is starting to gain steam. They have a long way to go to get to where AJW was, but there is hope there. And I think that's just great for women in the business because there needs to be a place. Um, this might be going off a, on a tangent, but it's a shame that Shimmer, after some of the talent they've had there, still no one can manage to think that maybe we should get this on TV in the United States, whether that's a indictment on wrestling fans in the United States or not. Uh, that's not really for me to decide. It's, it is a shame, though, that there hasn't been more people there aren't more people behind that. So I just think there's just the, a big thought process that needs to the, the, just expand your, expand your view. There's more things out there. There's a lot of good things out there. Not everything's uh, outside of the United States is good. Not everything in the United States is good. It's just be open-minded. And if you don't like something, why are you trying to hide behind like, <laughs> hide behind like cartoon characters, which is funny. I have a cartoon character, but I don't try to troll things. Uh, and just, hate on stuff for no reason. Like I, I just, that part, I just don't get like, they're still professionals. They, they're still human beings. They still go through mental health issues. Like, why are you going out of your way to hate on them and say they don't belong in the business and they should have retired stuff like that. And that stuff that, that irks me a bit. I don't really see that from Japanese fans. And so I, I so there's, there's a lot of misconceptions of what, of how wrestling is approached and looked viewed upon outside of the world. Cause in Japan, it's, literally covered like a sport and big magazines cover it. it. So it's just like, it's, there's a different respect for it. Why that is not the way it is in the United States anymore. If, if that is a Vince McMahon product probably has a lot to do with it. I don't know, but it's just different elsewhere, especially in Mexico and Japan. You are coming hot and heavy here. Walter Yates. You, you, geez, he took the gloves off there, folks. He, he's calling out all of the troublemakers. I love it. I love it. Listen, Walter, why don't you let everybody know the best way they can check everything out? I want to know how can folks get a copy of the book? How can they check out anything that you're writing? The whole nine yards. Follow you on social media. Like, plug away, bro. Well, the uh, Gennaron Trials of Chedonia right now, it is an ebook only supply chain due to the pandemic is messed up. So long story short. The crates of books right now can be three to five times as expensive as they normally are. So we're planning on Realm Studios is the publishing company that I do co-own as well. And we're also looking for authors as well. If anyone wants to pitch us something, uh, there is a process for that. The website for Realm Studios is www.realmstudios.com. If you look around, there's ways to get in touch with us. If you want to get in touch with me on my author account on Twitter, it's W Y Realm R H E L M. By the way, it's R H E L M is the way we spell the realm. Uh, realm Studios uh, also is on Twitter at Realm Studios W or R H E L M S T U D I O S. Also, Ganaron Ch- Chedonia is the Twitter for the book itself. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, Walter Yates. Y-E-A-T-S, as we talked about earlier, or also Realm Studios, R-H-E-L-M Studios is also on LinkedIn. On our Facebook, uh, which we've already got over 200 uh, likes already, which we really just started uh, publicizing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, You can find us there, Realm Studios. 
um, also have a an account on a fan page account on Realm. Actually, I have two on Facebook. There's one that is like a smooth rest or something like that for the wrestling one. You, you'll, you'll find me. And there's also um, WY Realm for me on Facebook uh, for that account. And we're also on Instagram as well. Uh, Realm Studios on Instagram. You, if you find me in one place, I will direct you everywhere else. It's the easiest way uh, to for for that. And yeah, you know, my wrestling accounts, um, Smooth Wrestling, and you'll be able to find that and everything I'm doing there. And there's other projects coming in the wrestling sphere, wrestling and video game sphere in the very near future. So I am a lots of places, and you can find me uh, literally everywhere. Now, Walter, before I let you go, I got to ask, um, is there a way that I can convince you to punish? I don't want to say hurt, but I do, you know, punish in some way. You're a creative guy, so you can figure it out, swords and all that stuff. Can, can we punish Kevin McIlvaney over at Pro Wrestling Illustrated and, and his favorite uh, advisor over there, Harry Burkett? Can we punish these guys for some of the rankings that they've put out over the past year, because I, I've been very upset and disappointed for years, especially at some of the people that they've put at number one on the various uh, rankings. So can I get you to, to kind of help me out here and do something about this? I, I don't have anything to do with the rankings. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't have anything to do with the rankings. I don't really, I do think it's entertaining how people get worked up. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, I do think that's entertaining, but um. Even some wrestlers get worked up about it. And uh, that's, I, I'm just like, wow, it's serving its purpose that people are getting worked up about it. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, personally, me, I honestly think it is time. I don't like the gender requirement or gender. You have to wrestle intergender matches for a woman to be right. Cause I, I would have, have to go back and look, but I don't think there is a chance that people like Bull Nakano, Manama Toyota, Asia Kong wouldn't have been, at least one before top five, definitely. Cause I, I struggle to find a better wrestler in history of ever than man my Toyota. Um, and so it's like, I, I think it's time to get a, just get away from the gender thing and just be like, you're a wrestler, go wrestle. So I think you can still do that and still have the same process there. If it, I know, I know that would take away from the, the women's rankings. And I'd say with well, that, just replace that with like a rookie thing. You've been in the business one to three years. Here's the top 50 to 100 of those those individuals across the world. Again, no gender there. And tag teams, I, I don't I don't believe the there is a gender requirement for the tag teams. So I was like, there isn't. Um, so it's just like for that, just I just think that that's my biggest um, thing I would change immediately is just let's just get rid of the gender requirements because um, there are women out there like I I I am a big fan of. Uh, my my Iwatani's work, and I did get to speak to her for PWI. And I, I again, she's one of the top wrestlers uh, in the world, in my opinion. So I do, I do think it's let's recognize women or non-conforming individuals as that. Just let's. I think it's time to do that. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. <laughs> 